Strange Tales. RelicRadio.com presents tales of the strange and bizarre, the weird and the wicked. Stories not necessarily of the supernatural, but of the unnatural. Join us now for Strange Tales, featuring radio drama at its most mysterious and unusual. Strange Tales, thanks for joining me once again. Our story comes from Favorite Story this week, an NBC series that aired from 1946 to 1949, produced 156 episodes. We'll hear an adaptation of a story by Nathaniel Hawthorne titled Dr. Heidegger's Experiment. This one aired March 18, 1947. Ronald Coleman, inviting you to radio's most dramatic half-hour, Favorite Stories. I'm sure we've all wondered at one time or another what might happen if we could take a sip from the fabled fountain of youth. If you had your life to live over, would you live it any differently? Nathaniel Hawthorne asks those questions and gives us some surprising answers in his rare and fanciful story, Dr. Heidegger's Experiment. The young Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer star, Robert Walker, chose this unusual tale as his favorite story. So climb the stairs with us to the musty office of a small-town physician. It's late afternoon, the mongrel hour between light and darkness. Heading for the office of Dr. Heidegger are the four oldest people in town. And before this half hour is over, all of them will be part of Dr. Heidegger's experiment. Come in. Come in, Mr. Medworth. Is that you, Dr. Heidegger? It is. My eyesight's not what it was. Here. Have a chair. Three blocks. Felt like three miles. I do not like to walk, especially on the main street of this town. Oh, I'm sorry. I'll see that you have transportation back. If you wanted to see me so urgently, why didn't you come to my room? Nobody ever visits me. But you're always welcome, Heidegger. I, uh, 
I'm expecting others here this afternoon. Others? No, please. I do not wish to see anybody. I, I'm an old man. I'm embarrassed. Well, I don't wish to embarrass you or inconvenience you, but I urge you to stay. I need your assistance. My? Uh, for an experiment. A most unusual experiment. I've called you here, Mr. Medburn, because you're the oldest living man in this county. Oldest? That's not true. Uh, Killigrew, is he still alive? Yes. Uh, he's older. And Gascoigne, he's two or three years older than I am. How old are you, Mr. Medburn? How old? Uh, 81. Well, there must be some mistake in the records then, Mr. Medburn. I went through the dusty files at the courthouse this morning, and according to your birth certificate, you were 87 on October 15th last. Seven? Uh, perhaps. A man loses count. What difference does it make? What difference? So that our experiment can be of strict scientific nature, let's make certain we have the other facts correct. Your occupation, uh, real estate manipulator. Manipulator? No, philanthropist. They called me in the newspaper. A newspaper which you owned at the time. Yes, this whole street, this building too. Remember how you used to come with the rent, Heidi? I remember. And the other facts I've jotted down are that uh, you never married. Never married. And that though you accrued to yourself quite a sizable bank account and control of most of the real property of this county... You lost it all in frantic manipulation a number of years ago. A man makes certain mistakes, Heidegger. If he could live his life over, he would not be so foolish. I do not like your bringing these matters up. I, I contributed a great deal to this town. Ah, I, if you'll uh, forgive me for a moment, Mr. Medburn. Uh, I believe our second guest has arrived. What do you want with me, Doctor? Colonel Killigrew. It's a pleasure to see you. It's not a pleasure to see you. I don't like you. Don't like this office. Well, you've been here too often. That's understandable. Come in. Have a seat. Who's that there? Medburn? Doctor, I don't want to see anybody. I, I'm a sick man. You don't think I enjoy seeing you, do you, Killigrew? You tricked me into coming here, Doctor. Why? Colonel, I ask only a half hour of your time. Surely you'll grant me that. Well, I won't stay a second after six. My gout bothers me in the dark. Night air's not good for me. You know that, Doctor. Uh, sit down. <laughs> only a few moments, mind you. Uh, Colonel Killigrew, I find from my voluminous entries on you and my files that you have never had what uh, can be called an occupation. You are now 84 years of age. And as a doctor, I must state quite frankly that most of your ailments are a result of your having wasted your best years. When I come to this office, I expect a packet of headache tablets or a bottle of medicine to help me sleep nights. I do not expect a morality lecture. Colonel Killigrew, I, I want to ask you a hypothetical question. Yeah. Our friend Mr. Medburn here tells me that if he had his life to live over again, he'd be wiser, perhaps. <laughs> How about you, Colonel? Even your title is honorary instead of earned. Yeah. Would you act any differently? You think about that, Colonel, while I admit our third guest. Ah, uh, Mr. Gascoigne, won't you come in? Somebody followed me here. I'm sure of it. Somebody followed me here. What kind of deviltry are you up to now, you old quack? I shall pass over this personal slur, Mr. Gascoigne, and invite you to come in. You're the kind of man who should be investigated by a congressional committee, Heidegger. You have no right to pry into private lives the way you do. It's... it's un-American. Yes, well, perhaps we can have a little political discussion about all this, sir, if you'll only step through the door and have a seat. Uh, you know Colonel Killigrew and Mr. Medburn, of course. They followed me here. It's a trap of some kind. Not at all, not at all. We're about to conduct an experiment, which, if you're cooperative, you'll find 
may be extremely profitable. I know the kind of man you are, Heidegger. Black magic stuff. In my day, there was a bill before the legislature to exile men like you, send you back where you came from. Well, it would be pleasant to visit Rhode Island again, but that's beside the point. Uh, please sit down. I'm a man who's reached the age when he likes to be left alone. Well, now, I believe you're the youngest of this group, Mr. Gascoigne. According to the notes I have on you, sir, you're a mere 81. In this company, that makes you hardly dry behind the ears. There it is. Did the rest of you see it? That thick black book on his desk contains voodoo. Black magic secrets. Everybody in this state heard tell of that black book. Yes, I've heard that too. Well, gentlemen, as soon as our last guest arrives, perhaps I'll show you what's in that book. Now you let me get out of here. Let me uh, out. Your indulgence for just a few moments. Uh, Mr. Gascoigne, would you answer a few questions? Just to make sure I have the facts correctly? Maybe yes and maybe no. What are you up to? Mr. Gascoigne, you held public office for some years. Yeah. First locally, then in the state, then as a representative to our National Congress. So. You were involved in what we shall call in charity's name a financial misunderstanding. Why? You were what might be called an infamous politician. How dare you? At the moment, merely an obscure one. Politician indeed. I was a statesman. According to my way of thinking, a statesman is one who thinks of the next generation. A politician, one who thinks merely of the next election. What? In all honesty, Mr. Gascoigne, how would you classify yourself? And if you had a chance to get into government again, as a young man, mind you, which path would you take? Why, why, I... Oh, you're a devil. How did you know how to put your finger on the very thing a man thinks of during all the long hours? Don't get a chance to use any of the wisdom that comes with the years. Do we? Do we, Doctor? That remains to be seen. I believe I hear footsteps on the stairs. That must be our last guest. A widow Witchery. Well, now I'm going to help you in. Widow Witchera! You know I don't go out of my house. Just a moment of your time, madam. I wouldn't have come if you hadn't sent a word that it was a matter of life or death. A matter of life, Mrs. Wichita. You've added the word death yourself. Oh, oh, these men. Doctor, you didn't tell me there would be others here. Just three friends, my dear widow. Oh, I've never been so embarrassed in all my life. Why, why did you bring me here? Please sit down. Oh, please don't hide your face. I, I, this experiment will not take long. Let's sit here. Don't turn on the night, I beg you. I promise we'll do nothing against your will. I ask only a few short moments. Very well. Quickly, please. I wanted you here, Widow Witchery, because it's common knowledge that you were the great beauty of your day. Yes. We'll not state your age. Suffice it to say that you are two or three years younger than these gentlemen. Yes. I believe it's necessary to say, though uh, this may prove embarrassing, that all three gentlemen present fought for your hand. Oh, oh Dr. Heidegger, please stop. Telegrill, I want to hit you in the face. But I apologize. It's quite all right, Gascoigne. I apologize now. Stop. Stop all of this. Have you no consideration for the feelings of an old lady? Let me die. 
Hamill. Let's try not to be emotional, my friends. I believe we're ready for our experiment. If you want us to examine the cobweb through your microscope, show it to us. Let's get this over with. My experiment may prove far more important than the cobweb. Now, first, I want to place this small table here between you. On this table, I should like to place an old cut glass vase I've had in this office for many years. And in it, I will pour all the contents of this flask. What does this have to do with us? It's dark. I want to go home. You wonder, gentlemen, what's in this old black book. I'm going to show you now. No black magic here, my friends. Just an ancient rose pressed between these pages. Look. It's brown and old, almost ready to crumble into dust in my hand. Why didn't you show this to us? This rose, this same withered and crumbling flower, blossomed 55 years ago. It was given to me by Sylvia Ward, who was my fiancée. She died the day before our wedding. For 55 years, I've treasured this rose between the leaves of this old bargain. Now, watch. I'm going to place this faded flower into this vase of water. This is not just a deception in the moonlight, my friends. The crushed and dried petals are stirring. The deep decayed brown is becoming rich crimson. The twigs are becoming green again. This rose is reviving from its death-like slumber. So that now it's as fresh and lovely as the day Sylvia gave it to me. Pretty trick, Dr. Heidegger. I didn't know you had taken up parlor magic. How did you affect that trick, Heidegger? Did you ever hear of the Fountain of Youth? The Fountain of Youth? Which Ponte de Leon, the Spanish adventurer, went in search of two or three centuries ago? Did he ever find it? No. For he never looked for it in the right place. The famous Fountain of Youth, if I'm rightly informed, is situated in the southern part of the Floridian Peninsula, not far from Lake Macaco. Its source is overshadowed by several giant magnolias. Though numberless centuries old, they've been kept as fresh as violets by the virtues of this wonderful water. Where did you get it? An acquaintance of mine, knowing my curiosity in such matters, has sent me what I poured in this vein. And uh, what may be the effect of this fluid on, on human beings? You shall judge for yourself, my dear Colonel, for this is the nature of this evening's experiment. Oh. Now, here are four glasses. May I pour you each enough to quench your thirst? Mrs. Witcherly? Mr. Medburn? Colonel Killigrew? Mr. Gascoigne? Aren't you drinking with us, Heidegger? Uh, no, my friend. Having had so much trouble growing old, I'm in no hurry to grow young again. With your permission, I'll merely watch the progress of the experiment. Shall we drink? Uh, one moment. Before you do, remember. You have the experience of a lifetime to direct you. Wouldn't it be well, before you drink, to draw up a few general rules for your guidance in passing a second time through the perils of youth? Oh, yeah. A person knows these things. It would be a shame 
if with your peculiar advantages, you should not become patterns of virtue and wisdom to all the young people of the age. A ridiculous idea. Of course we will. Drink, then. I'm glad I've selected the subjects of my experiment so well. Two bottoms up. My face. Drink is going away. I'm getting younger. And I. I too. Younger. And younger. And younger. 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 We're ready for Act Two of Robert Walker's favorite story, Dr. Heidegger's Experiment by Nathaniel Hawthorne. The four oldest citizens of the town sit in the dim old-fashioned office of Dr. Heidegger. Is it a delusion? Or are their eyes growing clearer and brighter? The four oldest people in town, indeed. Why, here are three middle-aged gentlemen and a good-looking woman in her prime. Shall we continue to observe? Scientifically, of course. Exactly what happens to Dr. Heidegger's experiment? Dr. Heidegger, quickly, let us have more of this wonderful water. We are younger, but we're still too old. Quick, give us more. For the first time in years, I feel almost like a woman again. More, Doctor. Pour us around. Patience. Patience, my friend. You've been a long time growing old. Surely you should be content to go young in a quarter of an hour. More water, Doctor. It's at your service. Mrs. Wichelow. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Doctor, have you a mirror, please? There on the desk. Oh. Mr. Oh, Medburn? Yes. yes. Delicious water, Doctor. Delicious. Say, we are a market, the stuff you and I. We can make a fortune. Fill my glass, Doctor. Here you are, Colonel. Uh, a fine drink. A fine drink. Well, we must we must have a celebration. And Mr. Gascoigne. Absolutely. Haven't felt this good since Grover Cleveland's administration. My dear widow. Yes, Colonel Killigrew? You are charming. Charming. Oh, Colonel, every girl in town knows you have a deceptive tongue. <laughs> so what I see in the mirror is most, most encouraging. The men of the town used to whisper about your complexion. Do you know that, Doctor? May I trouble you for a pad and pencil, Doctor? There's something I want to figure out quickly. There you are, Mr. Medburn. With a little adroit handling, I think I could manage to gain control of some of the property on this street. Let me see. A second mortgage from the Callahan family. <laughs> They're at the bottom of the heap now. <laughs> yes. Oh, what am I doing with this ugly old shawl? Dr. Burnus with rubbish, please. My gout's gone. All gone. Well, this calls for a real celebration. Oh, we'll spend the whole night, the whole weekend. A big party. We're young. I have an announcement to make. I wish to declare my candidacy for public office. Just coin for senator. And I know just the system that'll get me elected. Great idea for a new political campaign. Yes, sir. Big Joe Gascoigne knows the angles. People don't like foreigners. Get rid of them. Send them back where they came from. Good for plenty of votes, that. 
I'll lend you a vote. Help me swing this real estate deal and I'll vote for you, Jim. All right, shake on that. I think this all calls for a song. A uh, song and a dance and an all-night party. First, the song. Oh, oh I work on the rail. who's talking about working. Oh, You've never done a day's work in your life, Killigrew. Of course I haven't. Why work? Play, play, have fun. Love and be loved. No. Burn the old candle at both ends. Yes, sir. How about <laughs> some more of that wonderful water? Yes. Hey, folks. Any left, Doctor? Any water left in the vase? Quite a bit, Mr. Medwin. Enough, I should say, to turn half the old people in this town to the age of their own grandchildren. <laughs> oh, mustn't get too young, you know. Want to stay at the age of discretion, eh, Clara? Look <laughs> at this old-fashioned stuff I'm wearing. And I don't need these sex to be as good as the day I was born. There! My constituents, life begins anew. From the rock-bound coast of Maine... To the sunny shores of California, we will keep the spirit. That is patriotism. That is our right. The sanctity of the home. The purity of womanhood. My country, right or wrong. I say, let's have a party. Doctor, get up and dance with me. That old man. (laughs) The colonel is right. I must ask you to excuse me. My dancing days were over long ago. Oh, doctor. But any of these young gentlemen uh, young glad to have so pretty a partner? Dance with me, Clara. Oh, no, I'll be a partner. He promised me a hand 50 years oh, ago. Oh, get away. Clara, my beautiful one, shall we waltz round and round and round? Your lips for a moment, Clara. Your red, red lips. My arms around your waist for a wonderful moment of ecstasy. Oh, you beautiful, beautiful creature. Me, me, listen to me, Taylor. I'm going to be a big man in this town. I'm going to own every inch of it. Do you hear me? What do you want? I'll give it to you. Any, don't listen to him, Clara. I'll take you to the White House. I'll make you the first lady of this land. Ah, but I'll give you fun, Clara. Laughter and love and songs on your lips. Excitement, Clara. Zest. The whole world for your playground. Come, Clara. Leave me off my feet. I want to dance some more. I want the world to spin around. Ah, your hand, you beautiful creature. Get away, Killigrew. She's mine. Keep your distance, you cheap politician. I'm going to hit you right in the face, Killigrew, and this time there'll be no apology. Oh, you gentlemen. Gentlemen, please. Gentlemen, I really must protest. My lovely glass vase smashed into a thousand pieces. And the precious water of youth lavished on the wooden boards of the floor. (gasps) Ah, what difference does it make? We're young again, all of us. I forgive you, your boyish, impetuous punch gas coin. Let the dance continue. Your hand, madame. (laughs) (laughs) Round and round and round. Sing it to tune, youngsters. And I'll take up a chorus while each of you has a spin with this karma. Fair enough. How about a nice scene in these ropes, my friend? Yes, all together. (laughs) My friends. My friends, one moment. Don't be a spoiled sport hide again. No, my friends, I beg you to observe that my Sylvia Rose appears to be fading again.
happened? What just happened? Hey, I'm cold. Have any of you seen my shawl? Where are my specs? I can't see. Doctor. Doctor, help me. Was it just a dream? Are we old again? So soon. Oh. Take away the mirror. Take away the mirror. So, this was your experiment. Well, tell us, how has it turned out? Have we grown old again so suddenly, so quickly? Yes, my friend, you've grown old again. And the scientific fact we shall set down is that youth effervesces like bubbles in the water. But it's transient. And soon passes away. Oh, we must find the fountain again. We'll go to Florida, all of us, and search for it. Doctor, go with us. Help us find it. Yes, and we'll drink from the fountain morning, noon, and night. Yes. Help us, Doctor. Tell us where to go. Come with us, Heidegger. You're old, too. You need it. Oh, no, no, my friend. If the fountain gushed at my very doorstep, I wouldn't stoop to bathe my lips in it. Such is the lesson you've taught me. Come, we'll set out immediately. I'm coming. I too. Wait for me, gentlemen. Yes. 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 Oh, little faded rose. I love you as well now as I did when you bloomed and blossomed. For if the noon of your life is filled with goodness, there's a real glory in the quiet sunset. You've been listening to Nathaniel Hawthorne's yarn, Dr. Heidegger's Experiment. Remember Omar, the tent maker, Omar Khayyam? Ah, that spring should vanish with a rose, that youth's sweet-scented manuscript should close. Well, Mr. Hawthorne seems to have had other ideas, and a notable commentary on human nature it is indeed. Our thanks to the cast who brought this unique tale to life, John McIntyre, who played Dr. Heidegger, and Lorene Tuttle, Earl Russ, Arthur Q. Bryan, and Norman Field. And our thanks to this week's Tory selector, Robert Walker, Star of Metro Goldwyn Mayer, the studio which brings to the screen so many of your favorite stories. Next week, you'd better keep your hands in your pockets, for you'll be in the company of the artful Dodger and all of Fagin's gang of petty thieves and pickpockets. It will be Oliver Twist's on favorite story next week, one of the most moving and heartwarming adventures ever written by England's master novelist Charles Dickens. The star of many famous motion pictures, Miss Irene Dunn, Chose Oliver Twist as her favorite story. We hope you'll be listening.
that's it for this week's episode of Strange Tales. I'll be back next Sunday with another one. In between now and then, you can find more from Favorite Story, Strange Tales, all the other podcasts, and our Shoutcast stream at relicradio.com. Lots to listen to there, all for free, thanks to your support. If you'd like to help out, visit donate.relicradio.com or click on one of the links on the website. Your support makes it all happen. Thanks to those who have helped out. Thanks for joining me this week. Talk to you again next Sunday with another episode of Relic Radio's Strange Tales. Strange Tales.